When I look at older people, I'm 86 years old right now. They're afraid to spend a penny. They often depend on the government. So they want to elect a person that will help them. They huddle together in fear, watching their television sets in the old folks' homes, having depression and focusing on futile things that will not help them in the end times. They're sad, they're lonely, they focus on the past, they think of the past. They do things totally opposite from the Bible. None of that is the way God has shown me to live on this earth at the end of my life. I've seen people who have had considerable property and money get so fearful toward the end. One man said to me, well, I just want to have enough, but I guess you never know how much enough is. He was an elder in the church and a Bible teacher and made statements like that. Paul says, my God will supply all your need. I think it was David who said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We should be victorious in overcoming as we go forward. Caleb was 80 years old, and he wanted another mountain. Recently, I said to God, I'm 86, give me another mountain. Pam Paget, with whom I share a house, great person of faith, same spirit I have. She said to me, you ask for another mountain and now you're getting one. She was meaning that we're going to have a church meeting in July at our house in Colorado Springs. And we've been preparing for that meeting, planning how we'll have the meeting, the meeting rooms, where we will meet, where they will stay, trying to arrange many things that they can enjoy at the meeting, in addition to the spiritual things that God, we believe, will bring forth for us at that meeting to help us to be strengthened as we enter the last days. It's definitely another mountain. But there are many physical blessings at this period of my life, which I never expected in any sense. And some of them were so big. Pam and I both had to work to enter in. 
you enter in to the blessings of God. And it takes faith that God is leading you. It takes faith that God approves this thing so that you can enter in. I don't see very many people joyful as they become old. I am one of the old people on this earth right now who is joyful. I don't want to go back 20 years, 50 years. I don't want to go back. This is the best period of my life right now. I have more money than I've ever had because God worked out a plan for me to have some money to enjoy the end of my life. It was his plan entirely. It began in 1984. My dad had died a couple of years earlier. I was living in Dallas. My mother was living in the state of New Mexico. Not old Mexico, New Mexico, USA. She'd always been a housewife. Her whole life had been my dad. And now he's gone. I felt like she would need some help. I could live anywhere doing the work I was doing, for it had to do with writing and recording. I could do that anywhere anywhere in the world. But I thought the thing to do was move to my mother's town where she lived and do my work from there so I could kind of see what was going on and help her. Now, this is not the fairy tale story you'd like to think. My mother and I never got along in our life. We fought like cats and dogs. We didn't have a pleasant life. The thing pleasant was my dad, and he was gone. And yet I felt she needed me, and moving there was a challenge because we really had never liked each other. And now I'm going to go there and be alone with my mother living in the same house. It was really never anything that I ever expected that I would do. She lived in a trailer house on a lot which we owned. It was just a small lot housed four trailers. I had the money to buy a trailer, I went and looked at them so I could have my own space. But I have never liked trailers. They never felt right to me. And I just didn't like them. So I didn't buy it. 
I met a man who was a contractor, and he said, I think I could build two apartments for you on that trailer lot. You could move the trailers out, and I could build you an apartment. Well, that appealed to me. Not only did it appeal to me, I found it interesting designing the apartment, choosing the things for the apartment. He said, I think I can build them for $45,000 each. God had taught me to get out of debt and stay out of debt. How could I pay for these apartments? Well, my dad left us $50,000, which is not much money, but my mother put it in a bank account at the local bank and just let it draw interest. She had asked me, what do you want to do with the money your dad left? And I said, I don't care what you do with it. I was so busy with the ministry at that point in time, out traveling from city to city, that was a great joy to me. I really didn't care what she did with money. My mother was extremely conservative. She just put it in the local bank, drawing whatever interest they paid, and that money was just sitting there. I never thought about it. But now it's obviously enough to build one apartment. At that time, we had several people giving contributions, and there was enough money to build the other apartment. So I built the second apartment. As an ordained minister, I definitely have the right legally from God and from the government to live on ministry property. So I built a second apartment on that little lot. That was in the year 1984-85. The contractor did a wonderful job on that property. It was a delight to live in the unit. For the first time in my life, I had a washing machine in my house. I'd always had to go to the coin-operated laundry at the apartment I lived in. I had many things there that I just never had before. So it was truly a blessing to live there. But there were some problems. There were problems in the neighborhood. It was an older neighborhood. I was not happy because the noise was so bad in the neighborhood. I saved some money while living there. I lived there five years. I had saved some money. After about two years, I bought a lot on the golf course where they were building houses, figuring that if I could build out there, 
It was three miles out of town. If I could build on the golf course, it would be quiet in that area. And I would move my mother from her apartment into the house I was building. First, I bought the lot. It was $17,300 on a golf course. I had the cash to pay for that. I continued doing my work. Money continued to grow. Finally, I realized in 1990 that by selling the apartments, I would have enough money to build on the golf course. So I put both apartments up for sale. My mother's apartment sold, but mine did not. So I rented it and just let the money accumulate from that apartment. I lived five years on the property where the two apartments were. Then I had enough money to build a house on the golf course. So I built the house on the golf course, moved my mother into the house with me. Now, remembering this is a mother that we've never gotten along, and we fought our entire life, and she's going to live in the house with me. <laughs> Wasn't something I looked forward to. But by that time, she's, I think she was in her 80s by that time, and she didn't need to be living alone. To give you an example, she always drove herself different places. She drove to visit her cousin a few blocks away from the house. One day she asked me to get the car out of the garage for her, which I did. And she looked at me and says, Now, how do you make it go forward? I was pretty horrified with that. I had definitely felt she had come to the end of her driving days. Changes in life show themselves, and you have to make them. She didn't fight me on that. She didn't care if I drove the car and took her places. She didn't have to drive herself, and I was there to do that. I don't consider I was much good, but that one thing I could do. So I sold my dad's car and bought another car, which was a blessing. It was better than my dad's car. Every direction that I went turned out to be a blessing. And I paid cash for everything because in 1975, when I was born again, God showed me get out of debt and stay out of debt, and I did that. So by 1990, my mother is living in the house with me, a nice house on the golf course. 
it's quiet out there. There's really no problem. I lived there for the next 10 years. One day, I was in the grocery store and met a realtor that I've played golf with. I said, how are you doing? How are things going? And she said, oh, they're going, selling like hotcakes. I said, we've never had such a good time in Clovis. Used to be in Clovis, if you built a $100,000 house, you better plan to live in it the rest of your life. And she said, now we can sell every $100,000 house we can get. And I thought, oh, I wish I could sell my house and move. I'd never liked living in Clovis. But I would not move my mother out of that area. That was at the end of 1990s. My mother fell, broke a hip, and that was basically the end of her life. She has she was 97 at the time she died. As soon as she died, I put the house up for sale. I had put $120,000 into building that house. And it ended up selling for $227,000. Immediately, I made plans to move to Texas, to Lubbock, Texas. I've lived most of my life in the state of Texas. I paid cash, hired a contractor, began building the house. I ended up putting more money into the building of a new house in Lubbock than I had paid for it. I was 40-something when I moved to Clovis. But now, living in Lubbock, I had come to be 81. I was out of debt, no debt at all, no mortgages, no no debt of any kind. I had begun taking Social Security, and it was $500 a month. And at that point in time, I could live on that 500 a month, and I stopped taking any salary from the ministry because I didn't need it. Everything was paid for. Now we had reached the year 2018. I fell at my house in Texas. I'd already been told by God I could not continue to live alone. They took me to the hospital there, and I had a broken hip and a very badly dislocated left wrist. They rebuilt the wrist in surgery, and they repaired my broken hip. This is the second time I had fallen on that hip, broken it twice. As they took me out of the house on the ambulance gurney to take me to the hospital, I heard from God, You'll never see this house again. 
Once they took me to that hospital, I'd never see that house again. So I put the house up for sale from the hospital. I didn't know where I was going. I knew God had a plan for me. As long as he leaves me on the earth, I know he has a plan for me. I know by the scriptures that God will take care of me. I know by experience, every step along the way, God has made my life better. I've had more things to enjoy on this earth. Not less, more. But I really was careful to follow what he told me to do. Get out of debt, stay out of debt, 1975. I was never in debt again. That set the framework for the things that were to come. So now I'm 81 years old in a hospital in Lubbock, have put the house in Lubbock up for sale. It didn't sell. I had designed it myself. It was more of a modern structure, and Lubbock is West Texas. But I enjoyed the modern. I enjoyed that style. But that doesn't mean the other people in Lubbock were fighting over the house. The night before surgery, a nurse came to my room. And she said, you've got to fill out these papers. You don't have anyone who is authorized to be in charge of you if you can't answer medical questions for us. And I said, without any thought whatsoever, Pam Paget is in charge of me. I never thought about it, about Pam being in charge of me. I had thought of who would not be in charge of me, but I had never thought of who would be in charge of me. I know God planted it in my heart. One of our church members lived in Lubbock. She was in the room when I said this to the nurse. She said, how can Pam be in charge? She doesn't even live here. She lives 450 miles away. How can she be in charge of you? I said, I don't know how she can be, but she is. I had worked with Pam on books and the blog. I had seen the faith that she had in God. I had seen the way she went about faith in God. She could be in charge of me. This church member called Pam after I said that and said, Joan says you're in charge of her. Pam said, well, okay. Then after she hung up the phone, Pam turned to God and says, well, what do we do now? That's the reason Pam was in charge of me. 
She would turn to God. She would hear from God. She would follow God, and I knew it. At that time, Pam was in a project building a downstairs bedroom at her house in Colorado Springs. The bedroom was finished in January 2019. I was released from the hospital in February 2019. She flew down from Denver to Lubbock, Texas, got my cat and my old car, and drove them back to Colorado Springs. She came down at least four times to help me. Once, I think she drove once, 450 miles one way. She helped me move from one rehab center to another. In that, there was a total miracle because she managed to get me moved into the new place on Christmas week when people don't want to do anything. She helped me move, helped the ambulance. I had to move by ambulance. And then with the sale of the house, she took pictures of all of the things inside the house and brought them to the hospital and had me make a check on the pictures so she could show my contractor the objects that he needed to put in a storage, which he was going to drive a truck to Colorado Springs and bring my things to me after we moved there. I couldn't walk, so Pam had to do everything. Plus, they were giving me drugs after the surgery. She worked with an estate seller to sell all the property. She worked with the contractor, and he moved all of the things that I had designated that I wanted brought to Colorado Springs. He moved them into storage places in Lubbock, Texas. I moved to Colorado Springs on February 24th. Later, Pam told me she was concerned about my moving in with her. She had lived alone for some time. How would that feel? What would that be like? But every time she turned to God with prayer, she was assured that it would be okay. One of the things she was most concerned about were her animals. Would I like her two big dogs? Well, she need to be concerned about that. I love animals. When I moved there and eventually bought a car, the main concern I had would the car be big enough in the back for the animals to be comfortable. We have the same spirit of God, 
So if we disagreed, God would cause one of us to change. We each work for the ministry. So we had plenty of work to do. And it was easier for us to do the work living in the same house than it was for us to do all the work we have to do living in separate states as we had been. Everything got better. Financially, it was much better. Eventually, the house sold in Texas. I didn't have to buy property in Colorado. I did pay Pam $1,000 a month for expenses, which I continue to do. She did not want to take the money. I would not live in the house without paying the money. So she took the money, and it's basically used for upkeep of the property. The office is here in the house. Everything is centered here. And we had so much more money because I had all the money from the sale of the property in Texas and didn't have to replace a house. So I just put that money, which ended up being right at $300,000 in MMDAs at the bank and let it stay there. By that time, my Social Security had gone up from $500 a month to $800 a month. That was more than enough to cover my expenses. And money accumulated, even from the Social Security. So I had more money and no expenses. It just makes so much difference if you have no expenses and no debt. God was leading both of us every step of the way. In 2022, something happened that was shattering. Pam didn't even know she was sick. In September of 2022, she was diagnosed with a very aggressive bladder cancer. This is a miraculous story that you can hear and read about. It's printed on the homepage of Jesus Ministry blog. On the right-hand side, there's a link where you can click on it and get to the podcast and hear the story and get to the writing and read what Pam wrote about the situation. She was completely healed from this cancer. They wanted to surgically remove her bladder. She told God she didn't mind chemotherapy, but please, was there another way without removing her bladder? 
there was another way. Nobody on her medical team wanted to go that way, but they did. She was diagnosed completely cancer-free after having a combination of radiation and chemotherapy. During that time, God gave me an open vision. I saw blobs of something, and all of a sudden it went and just disappeared. When they did exams after the cancer treatment, they were shocked because the cancer was gone. We've had things like that happen. She followed God in the most perfect way I've ever seen in dealing with that cancer. Once again, you can read about this on our blog. You can hear the report on our podcast. There is a link on the home page of our blog, which you can click on and hear it. That was in 2022-23. Then in 2023, something happened that I never expected. I was looking at pictures on a magazine or internet or something, and I just saw the most beautiful desk. It was a Victorian-style desk, and it was yellow and black. My favorite color is yellow. But I didn't have any place to put a desk. I would have bought it if I had a place. And I heard from God by the Holy Spirit the following words. You can put it in half of your closet. I looked, and that was right. I could convert that closet into a little area. And in June, I began this project of redecorating that closet. Pam did all of the physical work. I can't walk. She did all the physical work, the wallpapers that we used. She could apply them herself and did. It has been a delight every time I look at it. And then God began teaching me something about the end time that's totally opposite than you think. Put around yourself things that make you smile, things that cause you to laugh. Not only do you have joy in the Word of God, but you have joy in the things God gives you. He approved things so that I was not afraid to spend some of the money from the house in Texas. Old people tend to get very stingy. They think they have to save every penny, and they become sometimes very bitter. God has led me a totally opposite way. I would say, basically, 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, is the story. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I would be going along and the Holy Spirit would rise up in me to show me something. For example, I had a 25-year-old car. I was considering putting new upholstery on the front seat of that car, and I heard from the Holy Spirit the following words, or you could just buy a new car. That was like a thunderbolt hitting me. I'd never considered buying a new car. And I thought about it, and I said, You're right, I could buy a new car. I had almost $300,000 sitting in that bank account in an MMDA from the sale of that house in Texas. That night I had a dream where I bought a new car. The next day I said to Pam, I had a dream I bought a new car. I want to go look at cars. She sold her car. I ended up giving my car away to a man who came to do a plumbing job for us, and he had a MS child who was 20 years old. They needed a big car with a big trunk. I had a big car with a big trunk. And I heard from the Holy Spirit just give that car to him, which I did. You simply follow the Holy Spirit at every point in your life, whether it is receiving, buying, or giving. And you do it with joy. Well, there was one problem with the car. In the dream I had, my my dad was a mechanic, and in the dream I had, I bought a new car, but I failed to ask my dad which kind of car to buy. Now, he was dead, but what it was really meaning is I didn't talk it over with God thoroughly. We bought it by our own wisdom. It did not turn out to be successful because it was an accurate MDX, big Acura SUV, and it was rough riding, and I've had seven broken bones in my body. As the next three and a half years went along, I got to the point I wouldn't even go with Pam. I just wouldn't leave the bedroom. When she went to the grocery store, I usually just stayed home. We would drive along the road when I did go with her, and I would look at the other cars we met and think, well, I wonder what that car rides like. I wonder what this car rides like. God doesn't want us to live that way. Finally, we decided to 
see if there was another car that I could ride. My car, my old car, had air suspension. It just floated down the highway. So we decided to go look at cars that had air suspension, even though we had a three-and-a-half-year-old car with 11,000 miles on it. We decided to put it up for sale and change cars if we could find one that I could ride in. So Pam looked on the Internet and found cars that had air suspension. And we went to drive those cars. We even found a company that put air suspension on older cars and thought we might do that with the MDX. But that never felt exactly right. So we started out trying to find a car. And if we could find one that I could ride in without pain, we could sell the MDX. And we had the money, plenty of money in the bank to buy a car, another car. So we drove every car we could find with air suspension, except one or two. We drove Lexus, we drove Cadillac, we drove a Lincoln. We'd already driven an Audi. Back when we bought the MDX, we pulled out of the lot of the MDX dealer. And I heard from God the following shocking words. You should drive a Mercedes. I completely let that word slip in 2020 when we bought the Acura. It was probably that I thought that I couldn't afford a Mercedes. But I let the word slip, and we bought the wrong car. The second time we were buying a car, Mercedes had air suspension. We went to drive the Mercedes, but I still didn't fully connect with you should drive a Mercedes. But I had connected enough to have enough sense to go drive that Mercedes. It was on our air suspension list. He said there were three Mercedes that had air suspension. He was going to bring the least expensive around to us. I think it was around forty or 50000 And Pam said, don't even bother. Just bring the next level. It was 80000 It didn't work. It wasn't the kind of air suspension. They have different kinds of air suspension, it turns out. The salesman said, you're going to have to buy the S-Class. And that was over $100,000. We were stunned. I've learned not to show any expression on money. Just first even find out if you like it. 
I still had that money from the sale of the House of Texas. I had almost all that money. It was close to 250000 after buying the first car. I had two savings accounts with money enough to buy an S-Class Mercedes, which cost over $100,000. But it is a real adjustment to do that. I had to have scripture from God to approve it. I had to be sure that this was approved by God. But first I had to even see if it would work. The salesman brought the car around. I sat down in it, and out of my mouth came these words. Now this is a car. Pam started the car because I don't even drive. It was like riding on glass or on a cloud. You felt no movement. You felt nothing. I couldn't believe it. Pam said, I'd have to really love a car to pay over 100000 for one. Well, I was the one really buying it because I had, all, had that $250,000 left in the bank accounts that I had set up in Colorado from the sale of the house in Texas. You see how God is in every step? If I hadn't built the house in Texas, well, first, if I hadn't built the two properties in New Mexico, which cleared 100000 and then the other property, 40000 and then put 227000 into the house in Texas from the properties in New Mexico, and then sold the house in Texas for 307000 and then moved into the house with Pam, so I had no housing to buy. And what I had was cash in the bank. If I hadn't followed God in every step, I wouldn't have money to buy a car. Well, we ended up buying that Mercedes. Pam said, I love this car. And what she said is, I wouldn't pay that amount of money. It turned out to cost 117000 But then we had the MDMX, so we got thirty. So actually, the car cost 87000 The list price was one. 25, I think, something like that. But it cost 87000 Today, the highest-priced Lexus is 87000 They've gone up so much. Every time I get in that car, it's a joy. It's a blessing from God. Every time. Every time, you just, you just can't imagine how wonderful it is and how wonderful my closet is and the wonderful things God has put around me. But I had to have the courage to actually spend the money. I had to have the faith in God 
that I wouldn't need that money. I had to have assurance in every direction. Scripture, everything. So, I would say it all began in 1975 when I was born again and learned to hear from God, learned to hear from the Holy Spirit, learned to follow God, and did what I heard to do. It all started there. And these are the things I teach, primarily teach you. Hearing from God, staying out of debt, getting out of debt, staying out of debt, hearing from God, knowing how to hear the Holy Spirit. Closing this podcast with Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all We ask or think according to the power that dwelleth in us, which is the Holy Spirit. If you're following the Holy Spirit step by step, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or even dream of. And this story is a testimony to that. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.